One day in the Garden of Eden, Eve called out, complaining, I'm lonely, God. Well, God replied, I have a potential solution. I will make man for you. He'll have his flaws. He'll occasionally be proud, arrogant, and self-admiring. He'll like kicking and throwing balls a little bit too much and might spend Erev Rosh Hashanah services worrying about his fantasy football team. <laughs> but the two of you will be good partners. You'll make children together. You'll parent together. And together you will exist side by side. But there's one thing. Go ahead, Eve replied, wondering what other catch there might be to an already iffy offer. I told you he'd sometimes have a higher-than-deserved sense of self-importance. So you'll have to let him believe that he was made first. It'll be our little secret, you know, woman to woman. I knew about half of you would really like that one. The Talmud presents many alternative versions and interpretations of how to understand the creation story. That was not one of them. <laughs> but I knew that some of you would have been disappointed if I didn't start my first High Holy Day sermon back with you all with a joke. I promise they won't all start with jokes. Most of them will, but not all. The Talmud does, in fact, ask why Adam was created alone. We learn that one person was created first, alone, with everyone else stemming from him, in order to teach that each person should be able to say, and in fact, the text teaches, is obligated to say, the whole world was created for me. Now, this teaching emboldens a sense of self-importance that contrary to the joke, is a human quality in both men and women, one that can lead us to great things, but can also lead us to place our own needs ahead of those of others. We might be surprised to see our rabbis encouraging this worldview. After all, the one who truly convinces him or herself that the whole world was created for them is the one who is able to convince him or herself that it's okay to cheat, to lie, to steal, to think it's okay to take advantage of someone or even to abuse someone over whom they have perceived power or to act in order to better things for themselves without thinking of the consequences to others. To believe the world was created for me can lead to a belief that the world was created for me alone, that it revolves around me, and can cause me to disregard the well-being of anyone other than me. But, as is often the case, the Talmud offers another answer to the same question. And as is also often the case, the answer is contradictory of the first. After a slight tangent, the Talmud returns to asking why Adam was created alone two pages later. This time answering that it was for the sake of peace between families, that no one family or no one tribe could claim superiority over another. What was seemingly written about neighboring nations can also speak to our individual relationships. 
It's much more difficult to take advantage of another person if we respect them as an equal, loving the other as ourselves, as our Torah and all religions teach. Then, a page later, again, as is common, we see a slight variation of the same question with a new possible answer. This time, the Talmud asks why humans were created on the sixth day. The answer? So that when one feels too haughty, too full of oneself, he can remind himself that even the mosquito was created before he was. <laughs> that one really is in there. In a matter of three pages of Talmud, we go from the whole world was created for me, to no one person is more important than any other, including me, to even a bug is as or more important than I am. It was Rabbi Simcha Bunim of Pshishka, which is a wonderful name, and Brina, if you have the baby today, I want that to be the name. <laughs> Simcha Bunim of Pshishka would be a good name. He was a late 18th, early 19th century Polish rabbi who was able to harmonize these opposing voices as it was so beautifully written by Martin Buber. Everyone must have two pockets with a note in each pocket so that he or she can reach into the one or the other depending on the need. When feeling lowly and depressed, discouraged or disconsolate, one should reach into the right pocket and there find the words, for my sake was the world created. But when feeling high and mighty, one should reach into the left pocket and find the words, I am but dust and ashes. According to Simcha Bunim, these ways in which to view ourselves are not supposed to lead us to the extreme, but rather to guide us out of the extreme. As much as we may be prone to view ourselves as too important, needing a reminder of our relative smallness, we are equally susceptible to view ourselves as too small, not loving ourselves as much as the other, and at those times we need to say to ourselves, I am important. The world was created for me. Or, perhaps, these reminders are not just for extreme moments. Perhaps the Talmud gives us three answers to the same question, not so that one of them will be heard over the others, but rather that all of them will be heard together as one. Maimonides taught that humility is not the opposite of conceit. That would be self-effacement. But rather, humility stands between conceit and self-effacement. As Musarist Jewish ethicist Alan Marinus describes it, Humility is not an extreme quality, but a balanced, moderate, accurate understanding of yourself that you can act on in your life. Thus, humility and self-esteem go hand in hand. We can be humble, therefore, when we hear these opposing voices together, when we appreciate that each of us is a unique creation of God, each of us is created equally side by side with our neighbors in the image of God. But each of us must acknowledge that we ourselves are not God. It's this balance that not only keeps us from taking advantage of others, but also gives us the sense of self-worth and strength 
to speak up when we are taken advantage of. It's this balance that prevents us from always taking from others for ourselves while giving us at the same time the sense of self-importance necessary to believe that we can make a difference to others when we give of ourselves. There's a story in the Jerusalem Talmud about a town called Simonia. Simonia was a small community that apparently had never had a rabbi, a cantor, any religious leader before. They were looking for someone who could teach, who could sing, leading their worship, who could serve as a scribe, writing scrolls for mezuzahs and tefillin, perhaps one day a whole Torah, someone who could serve as a judge of halachic, of Jewish legal matters. Imagine a Mary Poppins-type letter written about a Jewish spiritual leader 2,000 years ago, and that would give you the request of the people of Simonia. They wanted someone who could be an avad kol tzorkinan, literally someone who could fulfill all of their needs. They went to Yehuda Hanasi, the greatest rabbi of the time, the rabbi who compiled the Mishnah with their wish list, and in return he sent them his best student. Levi Barsisi, a lot of really good names in tonight's sermon. While never called a rabbi in the Talmud, Levi Barsisi was described as Yehuda Hanasi's right-hand man. He helped him compile the Mishnah and was considered an equal by this greatest rabbi of the time. He was, in fact, the perfect one to fulfill all these roles. Yehuda Hanasi told the people of Simonia how much he respected Levi Barsisi, that he viewed him as his equal. And in preparation for his arrival, they built a huge bima, a giant platform upon which Barsisi would stand as he fulfilled his duties. When that day finally came and Barsisi sat on the special bima built just for him, it was time for his first sermon the first in the list of many tasks that would be his. And he stood there, silent and dumbfounded. They asked him a question of halakha, of Jewish law, and again he sat there silent. So they asked him a simpler question, and again, more silence. The man who was supposed to be everything couldn't even fulfill the simplest of tasks. When Levi Barsisi was asked by Yehuda Hanasi why he had been silent with questions to which there was no doubt he knew the answers, he replied, They built me a bima, v'tapach ruhi, my spirit swelled. Whether it was a swelled ego or lack of self-confidence, the bima built for Levi Barsisi by the people of Simonia, or more precisely, the way in which he looked at himself on that bima, made him lose that balance that is humility. And he wasn't able to do even the simplest parts of his job as a result. Believe it or not, rabbis and cantors occasionally have the ability both to feel inadequate and sometimes to get big heads. At the beginning of our service tonight, Cantor Canizaro, Rabbi Farb, and I stood at the ark and recited the Hinani prayer. This prayer was introduced to High Holy Day worship in the 18th century and involved originally the cantor walking in from the back of the sanctuary through the congregation 
toward the open ark, all eyes on him or her, chanting an embellished performance piece about just how humble he or she must be to lead the community in prayer. The irony that's present in the tradition is recognized in another joke, mentioned in one form or another by just about every modern author I read who has written about the Hinani prayer. The rabbis so moved by the Hinani prayer, overcome by a sense of humility, threw herself on the floor before the open ark, proclaiming, God, I am nothing, a nobody. I've sinned. I've transgressed. The cantor, hearing the murmur of approval from the congregation and genuinely moved by the prayer himself, threw himself on the ground as well, proclaiming, God, I am nothing and nobody. The murmur in the congregation grew, and at this, the temple president, standing by the rabbi and cantor's side, threw herself to the ground, practically screaming, God, I'm nothing, a nobody. At this point, the rabbi turned to the cantor and said, Look who thinks she's a nobody. <laughs> Sometimes the act that is supposed to inspire meekness can instead stroke the ego. But leaders in the Jewish community, as with most professions and in just about every area of life, require balance between those two pockets of Simcha Bunim. The prayer leader says, Hinani, here I am, before professing her humility, acknowledging his own sins, even as he or she stands in front of the community in a prominent position, representing the community on these holiest of days. To be present on these high holy days for oneself and for one's community, to be open to the kind of reflection necessary in order for this tradition to truly give us the ability to enhance our lives, while also being present for the community that we lead, requires a very delicate balance. As I stand on this bima this evening, I say hinani he'ani. Here I am, me of little merit. I am humbled at the thought of those who have stood here before me. Knowing the way in which Rabbi Bernholtz has touched the lives of all those in this congregation, always with such a sense of humility and selflessness. Having come into a staff and clergy team, all of whom are so good at what they do, who have built something truly remarkable, to be rabbi of a congregation of so many who are so accomplished, who have given so much to this congregation, to our greater Tampa community and beyond, so many from whom I have learned so much and have so much to learn, is truly humbling in the I am but dust and ashes sense. Who am I to stand before you that you should take precious time from your lives to listen to me? I understand completely how Levi Barsisi could have found himself speechless and dumbfounded standing on that bima that was built especially for him. But imagine how different it would have been if Levi Barsisi had stood on that bima before with Yehuda Hanasi by his side, if his mentor had not only called his student his equal, but had treated him that way, or if Levi Barsisi had already known the community and they had been there with him as he had been there with them 
through good and bad times. Imagine if being a leader of that community, as humbling as it was, was able to be a source of confidence in his abilities, if that humility could be a source of strength rather than inspiring a feeling of lack of strength. When I first stood on this bima 11 years ago, you all convinced me that I really was a rabbi. And Rabbi Bernholtz, because of his humility, allowed me to experience every element of the rabbinate from the beginning, limiting future surprises, although there are always surprises. As humbling as it is to stand on this bima this evening, I have confidence in knowing that it is those who built this bima that have taught me how to stand upon it and stand with me as we head into the new year and this new chapter of our congregation's life. And as we as a community begin this new year, finding that balance of humility is imperative for each of us in order to find meaning as we sit together in this sanctuary for these high holy days. On this, the first of our services together this new year, we each must say, the whole world was created for me. But rather than leading us to a place of entitlement, the statement should take us to a place of responsibility, reminding each of us of our individual role in preserving the world's well-being. If the world was created for me, then it's my job to take care of it. And these High Holy Days give us the chance to reflect on the ways in which we could be taking that responsibility more seriously. We each have the capacity to do so much, to give so much. May these High Holy Days serve as a reminder for each of us to embrace that role. And as we observe these days of awe, we must also remember that even that mosquito was created before us, that we are but dust and ashes. To experience awe is to admit our limits, to acknowledge that the world is so much bigger than any one of us. As we remember each of our ability to impact the world, we also remember the world's ability to impact us. We don't have to believe that the world was created in six days or that Adam and Eve ever dwelled in the Garden of Eden to find meaning in the stories. No matter how we believe we each came to this place, when we think of all the different elements that came together to bring us here, that one different step, one moment slightly sped up or delayed, one different drift of wind or one word that was uttered differently or not uttered at all. One change in the course of history and our world would be a completely different one. One in which each of us may have never come into existence at all. May these thoughts of awe lead us to feel both big and small at the same time. May they inspire reflection and gratitude for those who paved the way for our existence and whose sacrifices created a path for our success. And may the humility that we pray ensues in each of us as a result lead each of us to acknowledge our place in the world, our responsibility to the world, and the responsibility we have inherited to create the world 
that the future generations that stem from us will deserve. God willing, a world of peace. Amen.